the Evolve to Succeed podcast, where founders, entrepreneurs, business leaders, and experts are interviewed to explore the link between personal and business success. We will also investigate and establish the need for ongoing personal development, accountability, and support. The objective is to inspire you, the audience, to be better in life and in business. Welcome to the Evolve to Succeed podcast. My guest this week is Lloyd Banks, co-founder and managing director of Rubicon Recruitment Group. I'm sure you'll all have found and seen times when you sit down with somebody that you've known a long time, and as you're having conversations with that individual, they surprise you with their backgrounds and their experiences. As you'll hear during the course of this podcast, this is certainly one of those occasions for me. Lloyd's experiences in life and his career certainly shape his approach to running his own business. He's also really honest about how challenging those early years of Rubicon were and how all of those things have shaped the business as it is today and how he is as an individual. In addition, amongst other things in this podcast, Lloyd reflects on his interesting time in the Metropolitan Police. The trial ended... I, I actually drove into the airport to Heathrow so that the, the, the guys were convicted. Drove him in his car, which was a Ferrari. Can't right. remember genuinely what it was. And he, as he left, he gave me the car. Considers the elements that make for a good long-term business relationship. We're complete polar opposites. I don't know who said it, but if, if there are two people who agree all the time that's yeah. one that's one person too many particularly in a business relationship so we don't always agree and tells us what a serious back injury in 2009 taught him about himself and his role in the company the the accident reinforced to me that i was far less important than than i'd even potentially thought i was please do remember to go to evolvemembers.com to find out more about evolve but for now Let's go on with the show. So Lloyd, welcome to the Evolve Succeed podcast. Thank you. It's great to have you as a guest. Um, before we go on to kind of explore your entrepreneurial life, your business life, uh, running Rubicon, I'd like to just go back and just perhaps learn a bit more about Lloyd and why Lloyd is who he is. And, you know, I would go back and start to think about, you know, obviously left school early part of your life, went into the police and then into the Royal Engineers, I believe, in the army. So tell us a little bit about Lloyd. Wow. Okay. Well, going right back, I was I was born in India. My father was a diplomat at uh, the Foreign Office. He was, he's ex-military intelligence and we found out probably about 10 years ago, after, well after he'd retired, that he, he was a career spy. Okay. So he was MI6. Not your typical father. <laughs> no, so uh, a, a, you know, a, a man of secrets, and including to his family, which okay. included my, my my sisters and my mother. But uh, So yeah, born in India, spent two, three years in India, then moved over to East Africa with the odd stint back in the UK, probably six months stints. Finally, I think we did three years in Moscow during the Cold War in the 1960s. I was there for the the space race to um, the moon in 1969. Wow. And came back to come to school in the UK, basically, at the age of maybe 10 or 11, wow. in 1972. So they're interesting formative years, aren't they? Yeah. You've, we've actually gone way further back than I thought okay. we were there. Yeah. But so, how do you yeah. think those early years have affected you? Oh, I, I don't know. I, you, you know me quite well, Warren. I'm, I'm a forward thinker. I... I tend to, unless I'm forced to or encouraged to think things even from last week, I'm, it's, <laughs> it's, it's almost gone from my brain. So I have no negative or very, it's very hard for me to find bad memories about anything. Yeah. Because I live in the moment. Yeah. Make the most of what you've yeah, got in the moment. Absolutely. You've got it. 100%. So obviously, boarding school, is it? In UK, or did uh, you that school? There's a strange story about that in, in terms of, so in terms of de- defining me, there was a, a strange period where I was expelled from a school very, very quickly for something. And uh, I went from a very privileged background. It was all 
public schools and boarding schools, grammar school, uh, sorry, pre-grammar school, to then going off to a, a local comprehensive in Yorkshire, you know, with an accent like mine, having nothing to do with Yorkshire. and So that was a bit of a baptism by fire, really. So I had quite a tough upbringing, left school very young, with no formal qualifications and... You know, bright as hell, I suppose. But yeah, just the intelligence was always there, the spark yeah, was there. Yeah. But, and the yeah. intent was there, but it, I was not academic, I was pretty much self-taught. Okay, so how did you then end up in the police and well, the army? Okay, so the, the I I found myself, I left, I left home and found myself in like I literally got off the train with a duffel bag at King's Cross Station. Right. And wandered around, found a literally almost a DOS house, and they were. This is the, this is the late nineteen seventies, no, nineteen seventy nine, nineteen eighty. Okay. Found someone who was recruiting for uh, building sites, so I worked on building sites for about a year. But I was a, I was a very good boxer. Okay. And I, the gym I went to, uh, Alaminta who at the yeah. time was um, the world middleweight champion. Yeah, so Alan was doing a lot of boxing training with the police and he and I shared the same gym and we were, I, I, I don't know, he, he, he encouraged me to apply. It was not something I'd ever okay, I'd ever. Okay, so it was nothing doing. you set out to no, do. It no, wasn't no, from no, your no. father's background no, or anything no, like no, that. No, it no, was just no, nothing circumstance presented this yeah. opportunity. circumstance. So I went down to a, this is Thatcher's recruitment process. Yeah. So, uh, Maggie in the ninety, well, this was nineteen eighty, was was hiring, and I remember going on a. I think there were fifty five of us went for this, went went to join the police at, at this one at Bow Street, uh, Bow Street Police Station in um, in the West End, and um, well, near the City of London actually. But uh, the the selection was was. They took. They needed five positions. So the the first selection process I remember going through was getting through as one of fifty applicants to get a to get to a selection process. I then went through a selection process and was the youngest cadet of an intake of one hundred and fifty at Hendon okay. Police College. Wow! Uh, yeah, brilliant. And then the police. I'm, I'm condensing now five just over five years, but you always have to do two years of uniform work on the beat. And then my specialisation was mainly because I was a a very good boxer. I suppose that led me into the area, but it was close protection. So I did bodyguard work for literally three or four years. Wow. After after getting getting through my probation. Brilliant. And then flipped into the army as a result. No, no, no. No, come on. Slow down, Warren. Uh, the, The specialist area I was looking after were witnesses to serious crimes so these okay. were these were witnesses who who were being intimidated so this, this was this witness is, protection w- witness witness protection but th- they were um i looked after a particular guy who's a high net worth individual who's a south african i won't i won't say his name or what his his business was but he he had witnessed a, a double murder and he was threatened constantly so the the trial ended I, I actually drove him to the airport to Heathrow so that the, the, the guys were convicted. Drove him in his car, which was a Ferrari. Right. can't remember genuinely what it was. And he, as he left, he gave me the car. Because <laughs> uh, so, I'd been looking after him for about three months okay. during that process. We got on very so well. So built rapport, relationship, all of those yeah, things. Exactly. Yeah. So he gave, gave me the car uh, and said, look, if you ever want a job, Come out to South Africa. Okay, fair enough. I obviously went back, did the right thing, reported that I'd been given this car. (laughs) And of course... Nothing happens in a normal way with you, does it, Lloyd? No way. As the listeners will hear as we go through this podcast. Yeah, so the Ferrari, um, I, I declared it. Uh, it was beautiful. I, I, all I remember, I can't even remember what what model it was. But it was a beautiful, uh, a blue, which was unusual with a with a tan interior. That's all I can remember. Yeah. So I declared that I'd been given this, and of course they 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 kicked up and said, "Well, there's no way you can have it," and blah blah blah. So I just I'll stuff this, and I resigned. Okay. So I and kept the Ferrari. Over, no, 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 they no. Kept, they no. Took I, the I just I just left the left left the Ferrari. Contacted this guy, 
And he basically said, well, come over. He said, come over. I'll, I'll have somebody meet you at the airport. And so I, I literally worked my notice, which was probably about a month yeah. as, as a police officer. They took me off special duties and I was back in uniform for my last month, which was a bit of fun. Went to Jan Smuts Airport, was met and, and basically had a, a career as a mercenary in South Africa for a, for a while. Wow. For the 1986. So fighting in a couple of conflicts in and around South Africa, Mozambique, Angola, places like that. But met a guy who, who basically said, come on, what are you doing with your life? Why don't you go and join the army? I'd never even considered joining the army. My time in South Africa, so if I, if I speed things up, Warren, yeah, so yeah. My, my time in South Africa ended quite badly. I was, in a, I was arrested. I was in prison for 10 days. In a, in a nasty prison. Uh, there, there had been a conflict where my guys, the, I, I was training bodyguards primarily. It was part of the role that I was doing. But, but we, we came under attack or one of our homeland governments came under attack and we presumed it was the ANC that were attacking us, okay. but it turned out to be the government. So... When the helicopters arrived and started shooting at us, I realised that this wasn't the ANC. But by then, we had caused a bit of a, a bit of an upset. So right. we were either killed or or arrested. So three of us were arrested. Three of the the whites right. were arrested. We had about thirty black troops under. Well, yeah. they weren't troops, but black guys under our under under our control. Anyway, thrown throw into prison. This is where my father came in because he managed to get me extradited. Okay. I was put onto a, I remember, a British Airways flight in Manacles, which was quite something. So an air marshal flew me back. And it's, but just pause a minute, though. Okay. That, that, that shows that clearly there's a there's a rebellious streak in you, Lloyd, or a streak to be different, or a streak to not, not do what's expected, do you think? Or do you think you just roll with luck? No, just in those days, you're going to, yeah, in those days, I, it, it was. A bit of adventure. I had no clarity of what I wanted for the future. I I was fit and strong and headstrong and just enjoying life. Okay. No fear. No, never had any fear of anything really. Right. So that that's that's I suppose that in a business context that that will show relevance later. But um, yeah. You no. Know, at the time at the time I was just enjoying life. Things went wrong. I lost all my money. I'd, I'd lost everything. Yeah. When well, actually, I, I was in the in the army. I was in, sorry in the police. I was in the at the minor strikes. I was the whopping riots. I was at the Brixton riots. I'd made a fort. I was working fifteen hour days constantly for two years. I took one day's uh, sorry. I took one week's holiday. Right, so grafting uh, your way just through. Just constant hard work and making loads of money. I had a house in Chigwell in Essex, which I gave to my girlfriend of the time to go to South Africa. Just gave her the house. Right, wasn't. You know, burdened with a huge mortgage or anything, so that was actually quite a good gift. Gave a car to somebody else and just went, just, just to start something else. But then you you end up on a flight back in Manacles yeah, with with nothing. So I had, I yeah. think I'd I'd um, in the Volkskast Bank in Johannesburg is was at the time the equivalent of three hundred and fifty thousand pounds. Yeah. So that's what I had amassed during my time out there, and I still haven't got it. So yeah. I've not been back to South Africa since, but um, so yeah, no, but just yeah, no, that's just shit happens. So yeah, I, I lost everything, gave everything away the year before, <laughs> came back with nothing, lost everything, came back, and took the advice of somebody whom I'd met in South Africa who said, "Oh, you should go and join the army. Go, you know, go to." going and become an officer and I didn't really know anything about it yeah. so I did I recovered it took me a while to recover because I had a, I had something called tick bite fever when I was in the prison there and I think I lost something like two stone in weight in 10 days so it was, wow. it was quite emaciated so when I came back I recovered I started doing bodyguard work for the Qatari royal family so I was traveling around Europe and at the same time applying so I went through selection for the Royal Military Academy Sandhurst. Yeah. But anyway, passed 
And I was quite, I was getting on then. I think I was 25 years old, 25, 26 years old. So I was, I was going to be a late entrant. So I'd been the youngest intake in the police <laughs> and I was literally the oldest intake. One extreme the to the other. When I went. So I went to Sandhurst in, I think, May 1987 as an officer cadet. Went, went through Sandhurst and was commissioned into the Royal Engineers. Okay. So, yeah. And stayed in the army for how long? About four to five years. So I had a short service commission. So I think I could have, I could have stayed in for nine years, because I was a bit, I was a bit older. I, I, I think that's one of the reasons I got accelerated promotion. So I, I was in officer cadet, second lieutenant, lieutenant. Uh, got my captaincy for a very short period in the Gulf War. I had a local acting rank of major. But uh, it was a very short period, you know, yeah. just a, just a, a few weeks, and then um, so I that's a very driven myself. individual to go through yeah. those ranks that quickly. Yeah, and and, and did you feel you fit, well. at last? Did you find somewhere where you felt that you no fitted? Well, no, no, no. I, it was a uh, I loved it. it. It was more. It was more fun. Okay. The, uh, so it was still I, this happy-go-lucky Lloyd. Oh yeah, seeing yeah, yeah. life as yeah, absolutely you know, just an adventure. Yeah. Yeah, okay. Absolutely. No, no, uh, no baggage. Just driven. Whatever I was doing, I was working very, very hard to be as good as I could be at it. Yeah. So every single role I've I've done. So something that is interesting and relevant to businesses, it, and I think people don't do do this so much nowadays. But every every job I I took, I took a salary drop, a significant salary drop. Yeah. So I was earning a fortune. So, so money has never been my driver, no. I guess, is what So I'm what saying. does drive you? What was driving you then? Because that drive is still in you now to succeed. I, I suppose if the listeners are aware of Maslow's hierarchy of need, yeah. you know, that right at the top of the pyramid is self-actualization, which yeah. is a fancy term for being as good as you can be. And whatever you do. Uh, whatever I do. So, so the, the drive for me has been wanting to... Do the best I can do so with when you apply what, your mind what I've got. When you yeah. find something, you yeah. just want to drive whatever it. it is, be the best yeah. it can be at that. Okay. Yeah. Right. Yeah. No I matter, and, and particularly if people put put barriers or potential barriers or naysayers who yeah. say, "Oh no, you can't do that because you're either too old, or you can't do it because you're not fit enough, or you can't do that because you're not bright enough, or you can't do that because you haven't got the education." I deliberately went to the Royal Engineers because at the time, eighty-five percent of the officers in the Royal Engineers had a degree. Okay, they had good degree, usually in either school with no exams. And yeah, so, so to me. It would have been natural to go straight into the, I suppose, the paras or the infantry or the cavalry or something. But uh, I didn't. I wanted to make a statement and go into, go into the corps. That was going to be the hardest for me to get into. So you were just reflecting. So towards the end of your army kind of career, you had an accident. Yeah, I I, I injured myself, my my spine. So damaged my spine and. Basically, I was I was I was given an option. It, it was, I my next tour would have been probably flying a desk, and, right. I, and it wasn't of any interest to me. So I had the option to to leave early, and I and I I took the option. It wasn't because of the injury. It was be, the the injury made me realise that to get as fit as I had been again would have been very very difficult yeah. so the roles ahead of me and I didn't see myself more as a as a career soldier I didn't I had no intentions of, of I'd, I'd, have, I'd have probably got to something like lieutenant colonel or something but I, I I I'm not not academic the thought of going to staff college and working my way up the tree no it, yeah. it just wasn't I for me I can see how that wouldn't fit you no definitely not <laughs> shape or form no. if I can slap people about and you know and, <laughs> yeah. and be hands on and then then absolutely fantastic so no so so I, I resigned no, nothing to go to l- left the army and then thought well my expertise really ex-police ex-army it seemed natural for me to go into into security yeah. I, I knew I had natural leadership qualities I, I could understand the basics of, of management and getting people to do things. I'm a natural influencer. So I applied to what at the time was the largest man guarding security company, Group 4 Total Security. Yeah. I remember having an interview with the MD. I don't think they had a vacancy, but they they, they liked me, started training me, 
And then a vacancy arose for a branch manager in Luton. Never okay. been to Luton in my no. life, other <laughs> than flying <laughs> out. But off I went. So no ties, just just off I off I went. So and and I took took to it like a duck to water. This is manpower services. So yeah. This is this is proper business. Yes. So not so entrepreneurial. This is your first, yeah, this is you into corporate this world, is business understanding world. Understanding how to make money. I had yeah. no idea about the commercial aspects. Well, you'd done no role before nothing in the real world. No, such, nothing, nothing at all. I, I remember getting pay packets in, in on a building site and literally opening it up, not even bothering to count the money. I'd yeah. just take the pay packet, put it in my pocket, spend it. I've never been a saver particularly. Just, just living... Yeah. Not hand to mouth because I obviously if I wanted something I'd, I'd get it, but uh, no, no such thing as borrowing then either. If you remember no. th- those days, you you know if I wanted a car, I'd literally I'd have to save up those, mm. you know even the army pay packets. So you, you know I never got anything on higher purchase, no nothing at all. The, the only well I I, I had a house um, on the back of the the money I was earning in the police, but my. The mortgage was tiny. You know, it was mainly cash, which is crazy. I think it was fifty-six thousand yeah. pounds, which in those days was a lot of money. But the so it was a two-bed house in in Chigwell, and I think it was fifty-six thousand pounds. I, I, I literally, I think, I put down thirty odd thousand in cash. They couldn't believe it. Yeah, so where it um, goes, isn't it? So you're into so corporate world, you're into commercial yeah. world. Eyes open up, I yeah, suppose. To yeah, opportunity and it was fantastic. Yeah. I thought, wow, this is unbelievable. So I, I was doing an element of well, a lot of management. So I had a team. I had. I was given complete freedom to change. It was the the the, the branch was actually a good, well performing branch. The the guy who left, a guy called Richard Soper, was a very good manager, and he was promoted. I think to area managing, went up to the north somewhere. At, at the time, this is about a hundred million turnover business group for at the time. Yeah, probably had about fifteen, sixteen branches, and I was running this branch. But but I was able to. Through a combination of the disciplines that I'd learned in primarily in the in the army, I suppose um, the the high the high work ethic and my ability to to get people to buy into the vision that I was yeah. I was sharing with them for the branch, we we just just hammered it. We smashed all all the targets, and suddenly I was earning money and yeah, life, and life was good. Was, um, opened itself up to you. Know, we'll just divert slightly because I think one of the things that you are strong at, Lloyd, and you see it in Rubicon, is that ability to communicate a vision. So wh- how do you do that? What's your, what's your tips to the listeners on communicating a kind of sense of direction, a sense of travel, that vision yeah. to a team? Okay, so to start with, it isn't easy. Yeah. And, and I, I have several mantras, and, 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 and one is to sweat the small stuff. Yeah. I think, I think people who don't are in danger of, of never really building solid foundations. So that that what, what I mean in the sweat small stuff is don't tolerate. Be really nitpicky. That the things that are important. So pay attention to the detail. Pay, te- pay attention to the detail. And I'm talking culturally here yeah, as well. Definitely. So everything in terms of dress code to making sure things are clean and tidy. To it's funny in the army. I was I was never a ceremonial type. Soldier, you know, I never did any duties. I was a very hands-on yeah. soldier, as you as you can imagine. But um, it, I, I I do remember somewhere that I was stationed for a while, had a royal visit, and it was just suddenly everybody's out there painting curbstones, and and <laughs> and it was it made me angry. Yeah, because you shouldn't you should always be at that level. Yeah. What why well, aren't you always why at your best? You always at your best. Yeah. So so that's something I. I drove through in business, both at Group Four, well, Group Four, and, and yeah. particularly within Rubicon. Is that so? So you then say, right? So you lead by lead by example. Yeah. You have a very very clear vision and a goal for what what is expected. Yeah. You then um, make sure that you have achievable plans yeah. to to achieve that that vision, and you communicate the plan so achievable very, very and believable. And believable, yeah. yeah. So, okay. and and you bring the future before this interview started. One, we, we were talk, you were talking about your your next three year plan, and yeah. the reason that you, you prefer a, a three year plan is that five years ca- can be too far. And I completely agree. Yeah. My my world is is a quarter. Yeah. So I uh, I'm I'm a, a consummate planner, so I plan every single day. 
for at least 15 minutes yeah. every single day for the following day. Every week I will plan for at least two hours for the following week. Every month I will take half a day of planning. Right. And every quarter I will take up to a week of planning for the next quarter. And the only time I deviate from that literally is when it's an, there is a, a major event yeah. like, like the, the COVID lockdown. Yeah. So kind apart of got from that, at that point. Yeah. So, so, so apart you, from that, we visualize and I share that vision. So it's a bite-sized chunk. Yeah. So the business only really needs to focus on achieving its clear objectives each quarter. And okay. then we report against that every single week okay. within the business. So they're not focused on where you're going in a three-year window. They're no. focused on where you're going in a quarter. In a one-quarter window. One quarter. And maybe the view to a year? The the year the year so so I will we set out where we want to be in terms of aligning our service to our pricing yeah. to to our not even culturally it's, we we will say look this this year these will be our objectives but what we don't do is put the numbers out yeah okay. so this is in terms of if there are changes to input and focus that's where we set it out for the year. So we say that this is what we want the year to look like. This is our direction of travel. Exactly. Yeah. Minus the numbers. Yeah. Okay. Deliberately. Right. And then numbers. And then the numbers come down to the quarter. And we very rarely don't meet the numbers. Okay. And the, the, those numbers are collaboratively agreed. That they're, they're yeah. not. They're not. Um, it's not you being dictatorial. Not me being dictatorial. This this is us agreeing what we and are going to do. about the communication piece? Because there's a lot yeah. of business owners out there that plan, plan, and plan. Come up plans, yeah. you know, and in my opinion, plans that are way too long, way too complicated. Yeah. Don't One really, page. And then don't communicate yeah. it well. So what's yeah. your tips on communication? Okay, so, so the, the, the business plan, I, I so I'm, I'm, the, I, I'm a consumer plagiarist as well yeah. as a planner so if if i see something that i like yeah i i will still with pride steal it still with pride yeah, yeah. absolutely and 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 give credit where it's due yeah. without a shadow of a doubt so and, and it's not all oh if it's not invented by lloyd it doesn't work that's complete you know that's nonsense right we we will apply techniques and and foundations that that you know are proven and uh, if someone else has done something that then that's fantastic so the communication i've never had a business plan other than borrowing money to kickstart rubicon back yeah. in the day 20 years ago okay that's the only time i've borrowed had to borrow money other than during this covid crisis yeah okay. so well, we will come on to we'll that. come on to that so so that there, there have really only been a couple of times where I've had to put a big business plan together. Yeah. So that the first one was to with my business partner Jocelyn when we we needed funding to to set the business up and yeah and and later on. Apart from that, everything is one page. Right. Really. So simple. it's a very very simple. And and then it's making sure. So for example, every single meeting at Rubicon, every every single meeting starts with the company's purpose. And core values. Right. Every single meeting. Right. So everybody can say, you know, Rubicon's purpose is to support and grow a close-knit family of professionals focused on changing people's working lives for the better. And then I could go on and talk about what our core values are, which I might do later. But so we start every meeting with the, the purpose of the meeting. Yeah. As well. Yeah. So we so, there's no so these are the sweet and small stuff. Yeah. Chit chatting, it's right. Uh, what are we here absolutely. for? Absolutely. What are we aiming to achieve? How are we going to go and do it? Yeah. And that's the common Spot strategy. on. Yeah. yeah. And then reinforcement, Warren. Constant reinforcement of um, of, of, of success. Yeah. So one of, one of my work habits is I have, I have seven very defined work habits that I, I train our people on repeatedly. And, and one of those is hour by hour focus. So we, we get a – it gives you an opportunity to pat yourself on the back. And, okay. and and celebrate your successes very very frequently. Okay. At literally every hour. And do you see your role as being like the chief communications yes. officer and Absolutely. creating that culture yeah, and that morale and getting in and out, in and around the business as well as out. Yeah. With e clients. Even out and about is is minimal, as yeah. you're probably aware. I, I do far less of it. I've, I have people who are better at it than me, and my my, my role is creating an environment where people can flourish and, and, and do their best.
Okay. Well, maybe again we'll come back around to that. But let's quickly go back to so at this point in time before we took that diversion, you're yep. running a successful branch. Yep. For Group Four, promoted to area manager after a yep. couple of so so was was about to say was given, but I suppose I earned the plum, which was the was London and yep. and the northeast. So I. I I took over an office in Wapping, an office in Carlos Place, which is in the West End. I think Norwich. I retained New, um, Luton, and I think I had Whitham in Essex. So, so it was the southeast, basically. Yeah. It was London and the southeast was 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 an area. Oh, actually, no. I think no. There was an intermediate step. So I had an. I was an area manager for a couple of years. Then, then I I was a regional director, so more of an operational director. One of Four, I think, in the country. You know, I think it was North Scotland, yeah, um, the West and, and and East. So yeah, doing doing very very well. And I, and actually, I huh, I I I believed I was on track to to run the company. Right. Uh, <laughs> Confident self belief in yeah, exactly. coming out again, but isn't the, it? But obviously, the uh, those who uh, <laughs> who were higher up the tree had different. Had different views, and I, I remember nothing wrong with a guy, a guy called Peter Black, who had come from Rover Cars, yeah, but MBAs and all sorts out, out of his eyeballs, and and he was appointed. And bear in mind, I was part of the executive management, so I was the director of the company, not yeah. not in terms of shareholding, but certainly in terms of responsibility. And I was at I was at the top table, and suddenly this 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 MD was appointed, and it just really cheesed me off, right. And and I was told, well, well, of course you're not, you know, you don't, you don't have the qualifications. You qualifications. The qualifications. This this guy's got, yeah, and, you? and you've only been in industry for six, seven years. How could we possibly give it to you? Right. So I said, oh, fair enough. Went, spoke to a headhunter and said, find me a, find me a different job. Yeah. Um, and I joined a company called Williams Holdings, okay. which were a, a FTSE 100, right? Very acquisitorial business. They owned. Three security brands that a lot of people know. They they owned Kidderthorn, they they owned Yale, and yeah. they owned Chubb. Okay. Now the Chubb was split into various. So they had a man guarding division, which is where my background was with Group Four. They also had locks that you've heard of and safes. Yeah. You know, we, everyone knows Chubb. So, uh, but but their objective was to uh, um, Chubb wardens at the time so this must be the late 1990s maybe 97 okay so i i left the army in 91 i think i left group four in eight in 97 and joined williams holdings who owned these companies and and basically they they gave me a remit of of building the the man guarding yeah. business. We, 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 obviously, people who knew what they were doing in mergers and acquisitions. But basically, we took that business from 54 million to 128 million wow. in about 18 months through some very strategic acquisitions. Yeah. But, all, but also, I like to think, with, with my operational focus on uh, cultural identity, it was it was the, the getting people to buy into actually you. you you know, one minute you're you're number six, number seven in in the market, and Group Four are right up there. The next minute, I'm going up against Group Four and saying, "Well, we we can transform this business." And we did a very good job. And Brilliant. That's, yeah, where I met. Um, that's where you met Justin, Justin business my partner. business partner. So, so then, yeah. what happened? I mean, what? Obviously, there was never. You know, one of the questions I often ask: Were you always destined to run your own business? Oh, yeah. Yeah, I think so. And actually, that, yeah. that there came a point where you thought I yeah. can do this for myself. Yeah, hierarchically, I, I was I I I did roles in the army where I had a lot of freedom. I could yeah. get out and do it, and and rank to me get, gave me an ability to influence to get what was needed to do the job. Yeah, rather Control than resource deliver exactly yeah. exactly rather than you know having the pips on your shoulder to yeah. get the salutes totally disinterested yeah. me that I wasn't interested in that at all it was it was all, all much more functional so we and and it was similar in uh, group four you know, you know my my um acceleration through the ranks you know area manager and regional director etc it, it was more my ability to have more resource more control i mean so, so uh, for example at the end of my time at, at chubb so i was the uh, 
I think the the MD Jeff Freestone. I, I think I can't remember. He, he was having some some problems, maybe family problems or something. But he was out of the business for a while. So I think for three or four months, I was the interim. MD of a business that had seven and a half thousand people and was turning over 128 wow, million. Experience. It was a really good business. But then at the end of it, I think Jeff came back and I, I could, and it was obvious that Williams were looking to dispose of this yeah. giant that they bought. So, and I, and I just thought at the time, no, I, I'm, I'm, I'm now ready to, to go off and do it on my own. So, so it was literally that. It was then saying, well, hang on, I know about manpower service. I, I know about security. I had all sorts of restrictions. Long was, I think I had probably at least a year, maybe even two years restriction from operating within the security field. So I needed to find something else. So that's when Joss and I started to look around. Her background was, she'd been the quality director at Echo actually. So she, oh, her okay. background was was all um, personnel and, and recruitment. And so then how did you end up owning a recruitment agency down in yeah, Poole? never been to Poole in my life. Right, um, okay. Just like Luton a few years before. It was, um, we, we, we had a, a, a price tag. We, we knew what we could afford. Yeah. We wanted, I didn't want to start up. I wanted something, a vehicle that I that I could that had some safely learn, yeah, yeah, that okay. had a little bit of momentum. I mean, it was quite uh, so. It was Carolyn Ash Recruitment we acquired in two thousand, and I think she there were three branches: Christchurch, Bournemouth, and Poole. Literally, one within three years, I'd stuffed it up. Right. So we we'd had phenomenal growth: 50, 60, 70 percent growth a year for three years. Wow. We'd owned another branch down. Difficult and dangerous and not always sustainable. Yeah, we went pop. So we had a very large, very large client who didn't pay us. Yeah. And and that was enough. The bane of recruitment. Yeah. So learned learned valuable lessons. Had £28,000 worth of local debt that I paid out of my own pocket to local suppliers, printers, advertising companies, uh, safety equipment suppliers, uniform suppliers. Rent, it's everything like that. that but crown debt, I wrote off. Right, and is that just naivety? Do you think in coming into running your own business, or yeah. or what were yeah. the lessons that you had okay. to learn that have meant that you've then okay. gone out and rebuilt Rubicon yeah. in a stronger? Good, good frame. question. So, so this is a plug for you, I suppose. Oh, so thank you. You'll be, you'll be pleased <laughs> with this. So, had we had we had advice, had, had we had either a damn good non-exec yeah or had we had a good accountancy firm that that weren't purely transactional then i i'm convinced we would not have had to phoenix that business we 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 would have been we 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 were we were naive you were lonely and didn't have the sounding board that you needed no no sounding board yeah a lot of arrogance a lot of um also, I'd, I'd, I'd operated, I think, too, at too high a level for too yeah. long. Okay. And it, and I don't mean this disrespectfully. I'm, you know, I love Dorset and I'll, you know, this is my home and I'll be here for a long time. But it was parochial. Yeah. And, and I wasn't used to you dealing you needed to adjust, at that level. Right? I needed to adjust. My expectations were, were unrealistic. I said, but I was going to say, this is the first time in your life at that point where something hasn't quite gone to plan. But obviously, I've learned today about the story of South Africa. Oh, no, no. Things hadn't gone to plan loads of times. Quite a, yeah, yeah, quite a few times. So, But how did you pick yourself up? And was there a moment oh. where you thought you weren't going to restart the business? Joking. No way. No. No, no. no it was ne- never never entered into it. There, there, were, there were, I suppose, Phoenix thing. It, it is rising from the ashes. And, and that, that was it. It was, a, it was the opportunity to create a more st- uh, a, a more solid foundation rather than inheriting somebody else's. Yeah. I mean, I, I remember literally buying Carol Nash Recruitment and that the two largest clients within six months, one had relocated to South Africa, uh, right. to, to China, and the other one had gone into receivership. Right. So I think we, we, we had dropped 60% in the first year. After that, we then grew phenomenally. But, um, but no, and so, what did so, you do yeah. different? Once you oh, start so yeah, okay, just so, a handful of things. So. Okay, so so took on a non-exec yeah. almost immediately. So someone who had experience in recruitment, and still a friend of mine, not not yeah. involved in the business anymore. But um, he, he was he he 
so you then had a had an, had a had a mentor. We I slowed things down. Okay. I, I said right if if we achieve fifteen to twenty percent growth a year, yeah. that that is more than enough. We were much better at credit checking, so realised the importance of of financial sig- significant checks, checks, checks before you get into bed with with with, with clients, and also then you know making sure the cash comes in yeah. and, and and bringing the, the money in. So debtor days became very very important to us to make make sure agreements were were in place that we dealt with the customers we wanted to deal with. So we were. Taking more control. Yeah. Still, still, the quality was was there. I mean, it was always yeah, the uh, service delivering level was very service level was exceptional. That wasn't a problem before. No, so, no, exactly. Yeah. But we were more. Uh, I, I also, I mean, I, I think I said earlier, Warren, that, that money has never been a driver for me. It's, I've never worried about money, and I've never had, had to worry about money, yeah. which which is, which is great. So it was. It was more about saying, "Okay, let's let's be as good as we can be. Let's stay, we'll stay in Dorset. Stay stay in sort of West Hampshire. Let's let's um, let's be more modest in our expectations. Let's uh, let's have a good lifestyle." Okay, is that just maturity coming in? Do you think, or do you think that is just a realization of who you are and what you want out of life? I don't. I don't. It was. It was. It was a. Tr- it was it was transition. It, it, it was more and uh, a natural evolution of, right. you know, I, I didn't need to be running a hundred million turnover business. My my, uh, as long as I I was satisfied, I could pat myself on the back every hour. I could pat yeah. myself on the back at the end of every week. I could pat myself on the back at the end of every month. I could pat other people around me on the back consistently and continuously then that that was happiness for me okay. and and that that was the drive it always was the trouble was that my i i, I suppose i was looking too far into the future i, yeah. I was genuinely looking at the next five years or further five, ten years the minute i stopped doing that i became much much more contented okay and you've, you've mentioned on the podcast so far, you, you know, this relationship with Jocelyn, your business partner. Yep. I mean, that still goes strong to this yeah, day. Yeah. Why does, and then there's a lot of, you know, we know people that have been in business with others yeah. and it hasn't work, worked yeah. out, they fall out. There's a, yeah. you know, there's a business divorce kind of thing. You and Jocelyn always appear to be, you know, really tight, yeah. work together really well, complement each other really well. Why mm. do you think that relationship really does work and the, has sustained the test of time? The easy answer is we're complete polar opposites. I don't know who said it, but if if there are two people who agree all the time, that's yeah. one that's one person too many, particularly in a business relationship. So we don't always agree. But that creates conflicts. You've then got to know how to no. deal with each other in yeah, conflicts. We know each other so well. I, I brought Jocelyn into Williams Chubb because of her expertise in, in recruitment. At the time, we had man-guarding yeah. Uh, recruitment issues so to me it seemed sensible to find an, a recruitment expert to help us out and that, that's not the that that wasn't the way either group four operated or chubb operated at the time they they tended to have their own internal recruiters so what what we did was well you know what i did was was went out there and found a consultant who knew what what she was doing she then became our quality director at, at chubb and we both left at the same time. We we always worked very very well together. Right. So you we complemented strength, each yeah. other. Yeah, it was always a, I I know my my weaknesses. That's uh, you know in terms of any budding entrepreneurs out there, you know, understand what your weaknesses are and either improve them yeah. or or avoid them. Yeah, play to your strengths. Yeah, play, is play how to your strengths. Yeah. yeah, and absolutely. I think it took me a long while to learn that lesson. Yeah, but. exactly. Well, we particularly if there are areas that we want to be good at. Yeah. But we know we're not. We we can waste a lot of time and effort attempting to get better. I mean, I can't run anymore because of my my back accident, my back injury. So, whereas I always used to be a very good, strong, far, not necessarily fast, but I could do endurance running all day long. I can't do it anymore. But I wasted a lot of time trying to get better at an area that I, I just I, I can't compete yeah. at. So the, the minute I accepted, actually, I've got to do something else to keep fit, not run. Yeah. I then, it's like a weight off your shoulders. Yeah. So yeah, it's a weakness that I don't want to develop. Yeah. But I also think it's about, and I'd be interested in your opinion on this, is you learn 
eventually through trial and error that you need to play to your strengths but our businesses have got better when we've let others then play to their strengths as well 100% and that's not just you and Jocelyn I, yeah, no, I would no. assume that's something you would yeah, do within yeah. your organisation yeah I'm, my, my my recruitment expertise is 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 minimal yeah you know, I, I probably make more internal in, any internal hiring mistakes that have gone wrong probably I could put at my feet whereas where I've entrusted my people yeah. to do more of the hiring internally that they have got it better because they, they should they're, they're experts in that area yeah. so no I, I I understand my limitations I, I'm also firmly of the belief that you, you give a man a fish you, you feed him for a day you, you teach him to fish you feed him for life yeah. so I, I can meet me going off and doing everything and, and having all the meetings with all the clients or prospecting and sales and recruiting or resourcing and everything it, it, I might be good at some of those things but if I can help teach others to be at least as good as me if not better or even 90% as good as me then we can we can achieve more yeah you can thrive yeah definitely. yeah people tend to do things that they either like or they're good at yeah and the danger is when they like something that they're not good at that's when that's, that's where that's where things go wrong yeah you've got to you've got to step away from things that you like doing and yeah. give them to things uh, give them to people who, who are better at them definitely you alluded to your back injury just now yeah. and it's just it was being error i just wanted to like to just discuss with you lloyd because you know i remember was it 10 to 12 years ago yeah, now? 11, 11 years ago 11 years yeah. ago you had a very serious car accident yeah significant damage to your back yeah took you out of the business for six to 12 months oh, no 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 uh the first time was 10 months and then I had to have corrective surgery right? and that took me out for another six months. Right. So I was in a wheelchair on and off for at least 18 months. Yeah. So yeah. you weren't in and around the business no, at that time. No, no, no. It couldn't be the pain no. and all of those and going through that, those procedures. So yeah. what did you learn about your business in that yeah. time? And, and actually the business came through that. It did thrive. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. You know, and you've, you've, I see you have come back into the business in a different yeah. role. So again, you know, yeah, question about what were the lessons learned. Then? Well, it was two thousand nine, so it was it was at the uh, the financial crash. Couldn't have come at a worse so point. So could not yeah. have come at a worse point. What what it proved to me was that the bit that the business was resilient, and it, and it actually did buy into the um the the, the the our purpose and our core values that the um processes procedures that were in place were robust. The relationships were strong because they weren't all with me. They, they were with, uh, I mean, I've got people in, senior people in the business who've been with me. Well, we, we, we still have an employee whom we inherited from Carolyn Nash 20 years ago. Right. So Moira's still with us 20 years later. We've got people Brilliant. like Jess, Terry, Joe, Tina. They, they've been with me for up to 15 years. We, yeah. and, and others who've been with the business five, six, seven years. We, we've got, a, and we're not a big business. This no. is a you know, relatively small, small team. So we've got to be doing some things that are, that are right. The internalisation is important for setting standards and ensuring adherence to what needs to be done. Too much internalisation is dangerous, yeah. as you know. You've got you've got to be customer focused. You have to you have to strive to understand what what your customers need and then meet or, if appropriate, exceed those expectations. That 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 will ensure that you have a a, a good solid business that that can move forward. We call it client delight. Client delight. Yeah, that, that's yeah. that is the prime for everybody in our business is focused on delivering client yeah, delight. Exactly. And it starts with understanding what yeah. their need is because each customer is very, very yeah. different. Yeah, and we say, what, what journey are they on? What does good look like to them? Spot on. Yeah, yeah. No, that's... absolutely spot on. So some of our business is quite transactional, particularly on in terms of permanent placements, yeah. whereas the, the, the temps and contractors are uh, yeah. can, can go on for, for so longer. had the accident, one of yeah. the things you learned was actually some of the values, the yeah, it ways that you installed, it all worked. All, it all worked. What 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 it enabled? Was there a temptation not to come back into no the business? no def definitely not no okay it's the, just the because um... it was working wasn't it yeah it, everything was working it, for selfish reasons I I need I need to keep doing things yeah. I, I I find it very difficult not doing anything I, I'm I'm workaholic I always have been I I I I love if I didn't love what I 
did, I'd, I'd find something else to, to like yeah. to do. I like being around people yeah. as well. So um, particularly internally developing, helping train, helping coach, helping mentor, get, get, getting, getting the best from, so again, go back to, to Maslow. He's, he's getting people to be as good as they, as they can be with, from firm foundations. Yeah. But they're proper relationships. You enjoy being around people. Oh, yes. Isn't it? It's not transactional. No, 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 absolutely not. So, in terms of the business, I, th- I suppose my drive was to be to go back to, I suppose, more accelerated, profitable growth. Part, partly to, to help others achieve their own financial freedom or their financial objectives. You know, when we do well, yeah. we've all shared the wealth. Yeah, we've I've I've never kept them the, 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 the money to not the important thing. Isn't the money is not important thing. I like I like nice things. I like not to have to worry if I want to buy something. And yeah. I, I like, you know, holidays and making sure the family's well and nice homes and, and, and home and things like that. But no, no, the, the, the drive, I, I think the, the accident reinforced to me that, that I, was, I was far less important than I'd even potentially thought I was. And I, I never really thought I was that, that, that important other than for the, the communicator yeah. The, the what we were talking about right at the beginning, yeah. Warren, you know, in terms of setting the setting scene, vision, setting the story, clarifying where the, we going, clarifying how we're going to get there, exactly, yeah. communicating the plan, etc. So it, it made me realise that I, it was even it, I was even less important. So it allowed me, I think, to to spend even more time doing stuff I enjoyed, which was training and developing other gave people. Gave you some freedom. Yeah, yeah. gave me and get oh actually yeah to I come back gone. in the business and do yeah. the role that you wanted to do play absolutely all some of those things that yeah and and about. not spend so much time in the business as well yeah. so I, I you know other I had a business in Cyprus for, yeah. for a while I've, um, I've I've still got shares shares in that business did did very well so built it up to a point where I where I, I sold the majority shareholding in it. Have been involved in other, you know, management consultancy. Back involved in a security business in London. So I've always had other little bits of yeah. of, of interest, and 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 some of it altruistic. You know, not not yeah. getting money from it, just um, doing it for a passion, doing, doing and it a belief in it, because it was the right thing to do. But one of the things I see in you, Lloyd, is that I that I think is a strength. That I think is a downfall of others. Is you're not a magpie. No, you don't see the next shiny thing and just no. chase after it. Oh, you no. have been very solid, quite. Razor focused on oh, what you do. Co- completely. No, and, and I, I. And is I that think, just character yeah. or is that a determination to be focused? It's, it's part of the way I'm. I think I said quite early on that, that I'm, I'm not a. I don't dwell in the past. So, yeah. so there's plenty of crap stuff that's happened in, in, my, in my past. And, and I genuinely, unless I am starkly reminded of something, I. I can't even remember what happened two days ago. Genuinely, well, I, if 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 I was forced to think about what I did, I I would think, and and that's that's a shame in some ways. But certainly, anything negative is completely gone. I just yeah. don't care. Similarly, in the future, I I'm a, I I do plan, and I I have a a clarity of what the objectives are in in my personal life as as well as professionally, going going forward a year. But I. I, I, I am quite unwavering. Yeah. We, we can move quickly, as we, we've demonstrated that we've had to over the last three yeah. months. But um, no, I'm, I'm not. If, some, if something... I, I get it now. Yeah. I, it's that planning piece, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, it's, 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 it's planning. Because you've set your plan. Exactly. We, and we your mindset is... Don't mind changing gonna, the plan, but there'll be a time to change the plan. But we're and following it's usually after you've achieved what you've set so out to achieve. The shiny stuff that you might see at the size, don't yeah. get distracted don't by get distracted you've by. set a plan. I get yeah. it now. Yeah. Rubicon is a recruit. A, 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 I almost want to say bog standard. We're, we're far from bog standard, yeah. but in terms of its service delivery, we have a need to understand customers' needs for either temporary work or, or permanent. So that's it. We, we don't we don't go off and and attempt to to deviate in terms of service delivery too much from that. Okay. Can we just, you, if really briefly, touch on you talked about. You know, you wanted to focus your team and spending time on seven defined work habits. Yep. So we had the first well, clarity one just of goal. Clarity of goal. Clarity of goal, aims, objectives. Very, very, and and obviously uh, written down, visualised imagery to, yeah. to show it. It makes it makes it so much easier for for everybody to see. The 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 second then is 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 to have a plan, but it's not too detailed, not not too. 
not too constraining. So, okay. so the plan has to be easy to follow yeah. and has to have clear stages. The, the, the next habit is, is what I call start intensity. It's, it's don't mess about, get on and do it. You, know, you can have the best goal in the world, you can have the best plan to achieve that goal, but if you don't actually do anything. Yeah. So it's work hard. I mean, one of the, I mean, it's a bit twee to say, well, you know, your success, what's it attributable to? If, if anyone is asked that at an interview, very rarely nowadays do people say, oh, work hard. Yeah. And when anybody does, the interviewer normally goes, oh, come on, don't be ridiculous. That's, But it is, actually. If you do not work hard, you don't put the hours in, you don't put the hard time in. Hard crafters get results. If done with purpose yeah. and in a meaningful exactly. way. I've seen many successful people who walk around with their hands in their pockets. No. You know, it's getting out there and doing it. You've, you've, you've got, to, got to graph, you've got to pull the lever. And the, more than that, you've got to do it when your energy levels are high. Yeah. So don't, don't prevaricate, don't, don't prevaricate, don't, don't put, put things off. My, my, my first work, fourth work habit is, is to improve, constantly improve. Yeah. It's finding, I, I love Steve Covey's Seven Habits of Highly Successful People. One, yeah. one of his, I, I, I think he calls it sharpening the saw. Yeah. So I've stolen that one in in terms of do what you be as as good as you can be and co- don't don't be too proud. Keep learning, adapt, adjust things, find mentors, f- find people whom you can learn from. Do your TED talks, listen to your audio books. It's interesting. I know. Just in, <laughs> we've just set our new plan, and in it is about not talking about numbers, but it's talking about having a growth mindset. Yeah. And a growth mentality as a business, personal as well. And, Personally, yeah, exactly. So we're yeah. Always personal to improve as a business, and we're also everybody in the business should be looking to improve. Hundred so percent. Yeah. Nothing. Yeah. Compl- complacency. Uh, you know what? <laughs> a great um, uh, Stephen Brown, who was the uh, the MD at, at Group Four. Yeah. Uh, he had a sign on on his uh, on his wall, which was, uh, "If you think you're good, you're comparing yourself to the wrong people." Yeah. And it, and it was uh, when I, I first that. saw it. <laughs> if you I think thought, you're good, you're mm. comparing yourself to the wrong people. Right? Yeah, and it wasn't putting yeah. you down. It was to to say, look, don't don't be too don't be too Strive quick. To be better. You've got to be better. So I so that's that's my fourth work habit okay. is to is to find ways to do things, and that can be process as well, is and service delivery and anything else. But it's mainly to do with the individual. It's yeah. to do with me. It's challenging myself, pushing myself to to be better in whatever it is that. I'm that whatever it is that I'm doing the next one is to is to focus hourly on things so uh, make sure that every single hour what you have your 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 actions are moving you closer to your goal yeah and and that might seem god that's far too much you know a a reviewing in a week or reviewing in a month is far too long Every single hour. And it, the main reason is so that I can pat myself on the back at the end of the hour. Okay. So I'm the most important person in the world. Right. So having the most important person in the world telling you you're doing a good job or tweaking and correcting what you're doing is a very powerful tool. So literally, hourly, I am reviewing very, very quickly what I've done in the previous hour, yeah. patting myself on the back, and or correcting what I've got to do for the next hour. So I I do not allow deviation for too long. And if I, as if you're walking in the desert, you know, if you look up after three hours of walking and you suddenly find you're going in the wrong direction, that's catastrophic. Similarly in business, you need a, a, a mechanism to make sure you're on the right the right line. The next one is to get rid of distractions. Okay. So find out what distracts you. Some people are distracted by a lot of noise. Some people by quiet. Some people yeah. by certain negative people. I I I, I hate negativity. I don't yeah. have you know. I'm friends with you. Yeah. You're a very positive, high energy person. I have no friend. I have not seen my parents for 10 years at least 10 years so i have nothing to do i've got a sister who i don't like her i've got one sister i like i haven't seen her for probably 20 odd years no no big fallouts just Just these are negative around i want to be around positive high energy people you know the people tend to be radiators or drains i I want to be around the warmth exuition from the from the radiator drain smell bad and they suck the energy out (laughs) there are plenty of energy vampires out there and you've got to make sure you you don't allow them into your life okay okay and then my last the seventh one is 
is what I call continuous observation. Yeah. It's making sure that you're visualizing regularly what it is that you are seeking to achieve in business or at home and making sure that you are on that path. So the hour by hour focus is more to do with the tasks that you are doing to achieve the uh, uh, in line with the plan to achieve the goal. The continuous observation is to look back during my planning phase, look back on the day, look back on the week, look back on the month, look back on the quarter, and make sure that when you are setting your plans for however long you're moving forward, that you are learning the lessons from what you've been doing. So it's very simple. Brilliant, Laurie. As we start to wrap up, we probably should bring it to the present. And I suppose we need to touch on COVID and the effect that it might be having on your business being in recruitment. And, and you know, again, probably not focus on the negativity of that, but what are you doing right now in the business to overcome the challenges of COVID? Would be a- Well, personally, I, uh, I don't want to use this as a, a soapbox, but um, I, I'm pretty appalled at the way this has been reported, even from day one when lockdown, the the the, the mess of the communication of of how we were to go into lockdown wasn't good. I'm I'm not satisfied that it's like me walking out of of your offices now getting hit by a bus, and if I've got a hangnail or a yeah. you know I've got a a, a, a chipped tooth. I've I've died with a hangnail and a chipped tooth. I haven't died because of the hangnail or the chipped tooth. But the reporting of COVID is, A, there's no end to it. So if no. you have ever had COVID, then you go down as, oh, you have died with COVID. And the, the language in the press has only just started to talk about now dying with. Right up till two, three weeks ago, it was always you X people had died of. This, yeah. this is, this, this pandemic is, and I know this, this is probably going to irritate a lot of people out there, and I, but you know, I'm I'm firmly of the belief that w- this is not the danger, and this is not as bad as people are making out. Having said that, how have we adapted? Well, we we put a lot of people on furlough. Yeah. Um, we made a, quite a brave decision to pay as many of our temps. Yeah. So on behalf of our customers, we we paid them. We had enough cash in the business and we were strong enough to be able to do that waiting for the the money to come in from the government so a lot of the temps that we had out working were paid from us to to on on furlough and i think we are we are leaner and our growth objectives are obviously reduced significantly so you've used it as a reset moment always absolutely so we, we are we we are most of our growth, Warren, came through warm referral, basically, and existing clients, case studies, testimonials. We are having to move to to a proportion of 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 my people are now selling more, prospecting yeah. more, finding new opportunities, going to 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 look for new opportunities. Okay. To where's to the market? Yeah, exactly. So we're ch- the caribou have moved from. The fields at the back of the the ranch, and they've yeah. gone they've gone the other side of the stream. So we have to go to the other side of the stream to hunt yeah. those caribou. Cool, and feel positive about the future, then, Lloyd. Always, yeah, absolutely. Human nature is is phenomenal. That there there are lots of negatives out there. That there yeah. there, there are that I'm putting things into perspective, which is uh, you know something that is that is missing with this COVID thing. I mean, more you know more more people die of you know, of lots of other things and they will ever die of from COVID. And we had nearly 30,000 people last year die of influenza. Yeah. And nearly 100 of those were children under the age of five. Whereas COVID now is, you know, I think only three or four children in the UK this year have died with COVID. Mm. So that th- there are, it, it's, not the di- it's not the disaster. It could be economically... We we have gone back what twenty twenty five years, but we are very very resilient. This yeah. will open our eyes to probably less dependence on overseas, particularly with China. I think there'll be more manufacturing going on, more specialist Absolutely. engineering. There are there are there are opportunities everywhere. I, I'm fifty eight years old now. W- were I thirty five, I'd I'd probably be rubbing my hands with the opportunities that that are ahead out of out of every 
disaster, you know, change, th- th- whatever happens so in life, change breeds opportunity. Exactly, exactly, and it's, it's down to mindset. But yeah. th- those who think they can will, as 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 will is always the the case. You know, it's the focusing on Great. on the opportunities and driving it. Great. Thank you, Lloyd. It's been incredible to have you as a guest on the podcast. If people want to find out more about Lloyd or importantly more about Rubicon, where can they go? Well, website rubiconpeople.co.uk. Thank you very much. Brilliant. Thank you. Well, I really enjoyed that conversation and I hope you did too. Lloyd has certainly had a very exciting and vivid life. What's most interesting to me about Lloyd is the way in which his drive, adaptability and fleet-footed intelligence has seen him succeed in such a stark variety of sectors, as well as the way the courage, fearlessness and people skills he developed during his time in the police, security and military have clearly contributed to his success as an entrepreneur. To find out more about Evolve, then please do visit evolvemembers.com where you'll find some great content and articles as well as information on our peer groups, one-to-one coaching, webinars and other events. We're in the middle currently of a webinar series and last week Nikki Webb was our guest who spoke about the advantages of being sustainable in business. Our next webinar is on August the 13th with Alex Graves talking about Microsoft's best remote working tools and how they can better your business information. Details, as I say, can be found on our website, on our social media pages. Please also do take the time and opportunity to visit the website of Inspire, inspireaccountants.co.uk, the business and tax advisory firm focused on working with ambitious business owners. I really do hope you've enjoyed this podcast. And if so, please don't forget that five-star review. And if you haven't yet, please do click that subscribe button so you can get your weekly Evolve podcast delivered automatically to your device. We're constantly striving to bring you guests who provide new insights and value to you, whether it's to do with your work life or personal well-being. Thank you for listening and from all the Evolve team, we wish you a great week and hope to see you again soon.